Well, I bring you greetings from Grace Church, my home church in Cleveland, Ohio, where it's 85 degrees, brilliant sunshine, <laughs> and a gentle wind blowing through the pump. Wait, that, that's what, what I welcome to here in Fort Myers today. That's not Cleveland. But I do bring you warm greetings from Cleveland, Ohio, and from the board of directors from the Christian Missionary Alliance. I'll be at meetings this week, and so from President John Stumbo and the board, you have been much on our hearts these recent months as you have borne the brunt of Hurricane Ian, and I can tell you there are thousands of people praying for you and your witness and your recovery around the country and really around the world. Uh, so grateful for Janet Howard, who's been a friend for many years. We served on the board together and for her work as the chair of a team here, a global outreach team. And uh, for Pastor Andy, who has been a friend for years, as he said, and for Gene, for Martin. And you, you just have, there are many here that Mary and I hold in high regard uh, over the decades and even today. Some sitting behind me, some of you in front of me. And then those of you who are engaging uh, on your tablet or TV, really glad to have you with us today as well. Our theme this week is to be present among all peoples. So where does that begin? What did Jesus say when he's speaking to his followers just before he ascends to heaven? He says, you will be my witnesses. You're going to be present where? In your Jerusalem, your Judean Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's this local component and there's a global, right? It's our neighborhoods. It's right where we are today and it's to the nations of the world. Sometimes in a, a global outreach week, we can immediately just cast our eyes to something far away, but I want us today to look at a passage of Scripture and to see what is God calling us to, to be present wherever we are and to the ends of the earth. Let me start with a story about a couple in our church family, newlyweds, a delightful couple, Dr. Lonnie and Elizabeth Reed. They got married a year ago at the ripe young age of 85 and 87. Uh, his previous wife had passed away. Uh, this was his second marriage. It was the first one for Elizabeth at 85 years old. And it was a special day last year as I, they sort of danced down the aisle and, and their wedding was covered by TV news in Cleveland. Uh, both have been serving and making an impact with their lives for years as followers of Jesus, even before their marriage. And Elizabeth signs her emails and every letter she writes, she signs it with the little tagline, Elizabeth, the hope dealer. Elizabeth, the hope dealer. I've always been intrigued by that and I thought, Lord, I, I, I want that to be my identity as well. She's done that enough where people at her church have begun to know this is Elizabeth, the hope dealer. We have another guy in our church, John, who said, well, my name is John and I used to be a dope dealer and now I am a hope dealer. Indeed, uh, life transformation. Here's what I want us to consider this morning. What if we all considered ourselves in that way? We said, part of my identity is that I am a hope dealer in my community, wherever Jesus takes me, sitting in a dental chair or on an airplane or across the table from someone in a restaurant. Lord, would you let me be a hope dealer 
And yes, to the ends of the earth as we partner together to say, Lord, would you use me to be one who deals hope to the ends of the earth? There's biblical precedent for that. I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter 3, right toward the end of your scriptures. And Peter's writing to a group of believers who have been uh, sort of gone to different parts because of persecution. And, and there's a little line here. Usually I like to read a chunk of scripture, but uh, just one verse today. Peter is writing to followers of Jesus then and now, and here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In fact, I'd like you to read this aloud with me. You're welcome to read it out of your own Bible or off the screen, but let's read it together aloud. Can we say it together? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. What does he say that we have? I want to just look at this one line at a time here, but he he says there, he says, for the hope that you have, that followers of Jesus have hope. We have a commodity that the world so desperately needs today. Would you agree? That you, you turn on the news, you look and you say, we have a world that's crying out for hope. That, and all kinds of reasons, there's economic uncertainty. Uh, there's global inflation. We have international conflict. We have balloons flying over the country from other places, right? There's aggression in, in Ukraine. There's, uh, it's, there's hurricanes and earthquakes in Turkey. And there's all kinds of desperate people, the sense of facing an eternity and saying, what hope can I have? all kinds of brokenness and trials that we face. And you know what Peter says that Jesus' followers have in the midst of all of this brokenness? He says, we we have hope, hope. And and more than that, if you turn back just a page to 1 Peter chapter one, he, he tells us of a certain kind of hope we have. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look how he puts it. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what kind of a hope? A living hope. A living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance, listen to this, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven. You and I have hope, do we not? We have a living hope because of what Jesus has accomplished. Peter says because of his mercy, his great mercy. And how is it made possible? He says because of Jesus dying and coming back to life for us that when we trust him, we're adopted into this family. And he says we have this inheritance. You have an inheritance that he says is kept in heaven, will never perish or spoil or fade. Wow, we have hope. Friends, because of this hope, if you turn back to 1 Peter 3, we can overcome all fear. We can overcome all fear. Peter says in 1 Peter three fourteen, he says, do, do not fear, do not be frightened. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Let, let your hope Rest on nothing else, no one else than the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And because of this unshakable promise that we belong to Jesus, we can rest in God's good plan. We have a living hope, right? We have a living hope. Here's how the Apostle Paul, this prayer, maybe some of you know this. This is one that Mary and I pray for our children and for our church family. In Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may what? Overflow. There's like this spilling over. You know, you take a cup and you you just pour and it's just overflowing. He says, I want your life. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can overflow with hope. You live like that? Hope dealers. Peter says, I want you to always be ready to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. When you're on mission with Jesus, you, you're a hope dealer. That's, that's part of your identity. Here at Shell Point, if you reside here, if you live off the island, that you were in, in Fort Myers, Southwest Florida, you're, you're hope dealers. And as part of a global family of the Alliance that we get to participate with sending out hope dealers to the ends of the earth, right? That we're, we can be present among all people through others that we, we say, Jesus, you're sending out hope dealers and we get to be a part of what you're doing as we love to say here and there and everywhere. Hope dealers. That's the big picture of our global outreach conference this week that we don't just share the hope that we have in Christ locally, that we say, Lord Jesus, to the ends of the earth, places that are least reached, where your hope and the confidence in your promises are so desperately needed that we get to share the living hope of your forgiveness, that all who trust in you can know that, as Pastor Andy prayed, that we're cleansed from all unrighteousness, bondage broken, that, that we have hope that this life is not When we come to the end, it's not the final chapter of our lives, right? That there's the turning of a page and for those who have hope in Christ, something that goes on forever. We live in a world that is desperate for hope. To be clear, when we talk about hope, we're talking about a well-reasoned faith that is intellectually sustainable, a firm confidence that something will happen. It's not like saying, you know, some people say, I'm playing the lottery and I, I hope I hope I win the lottery. Is that intellectually sustainable? No, that's a very, very thin hope, right? If someone, someone, one of my math professor friends said the lottery and gambling is for people who don't really know math, right? It's not intellectually sustainable to think that your hope is very thin. But if you're walking out of the the sanctuary today and, and Pastor Andy is at there and he goes, I just, as an expression of my love for you, Gene and I wanted to give you, here's a check for $1,000. I'm putting him on the spot here. You're saying, wow, did, wait, wait, did you just hear what Pastor Andy's gonna do? Let me ask, what hope would you have that you could cash that check? <laughs> would you trust that it wouldn't bounce? I'd like to take a vote. No, I'm, we're not gonna vote on that, no. You would say, Pastor Andy's a good man. He's full of integrity. My hope that that check is really worth $1,000, how strong would your hope? You say, it's as, my hope is as strong as his character, right? And you take it to the bank, right? 
How much more a father in heaven who's never broken a promise? And he gives us his promises. When we say we hope in him, we're not saying like, I sort of hope. We're saying we have something that's intellectually sustainable. We have the promises of God's word that when we talk about hope, we have the character of a God who has never let us down. And so we say, God, thank you. Thank you for your promises. My hope is secure that you'll do what you say you will do. And that's the hope that we have to offer to a world so desperately in need. We live in a world desperate for hope. Here's a reminder of what life is like without Christ. Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians two verse 12. Paul says this, remember at that time you were separate from Christ and how does he describe it? Without hope. And without God in the world. Do you see the connection? If you're without God in your life, you're without what? You're without hope. That's the reality for so many in our neighborhoods here at Shell Point and the larger community and certainly to the ends of the earth to say people who, who wonder what, what more is there? Even if they've experienced great success, is there something more? Is there something more? He says, if you're without God, you're without hope. And then a passage of scripture I've quoted at so many graveside services and one that you probably know well in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, you don't have to turn there, but you're gathered around uh, a casket in a cemetery and, and it's before it's lowered into the ground. We often read from 1 Thessalonians chapter four where the apostle Paul says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have what? No hope, no hope. That's how many experience death, isn't it? With no hope, it's, it's a global crisis. It's why we're called to be hope dealers here and there and everywhere. We have a living hope. I'll never forget when the medical uh, people came to my parents' home to carry out my father's lifeless body. It's a little over eight years ago. Cancer had spread, and dad, at the age of 84, had breathed his last. Mom and all nine of their children gathered around him, some virtually, some in person, and we were singing the hymn, We Rest on Thee, as dad took his final breath. About an hour later, you probably know how it happens. Some of the medical people came and they do what they do. They confirmed that dad was deceased. They did some paperwork and then they carried out his body on a stretcher. And as they were wheeling out dad's body, the woman who was uh, at the front of the stretcher, she just paused and she looked at me and she said, you're people of faith, aren't you? And I said, uh, yes, we are. We know this isn't the end. And she said, I can tell, I've done this enough times that I can usually tell when a family has faith there's a difference. And I thanked her and I said, well, knowing Jesus won the battle with death makes all the difference. We know we'll see dad again. And the words of Hebrews 6 came to mind where the writer says, we have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Friends, we are people of hope if we're followers of Jesus, right? That's our heritage as followers of the resurrected king.
And Peter reminds us, he says, I want you to always be prepared to share the hope that we have. You are a hope dealer if you're a follower of Christ. And so we anticipate opportunities we'll have to share the reason for the hope that we have. We're, we're, we're ready. That's what Peter tells us. Always be prepared here and there and, and everywhere. It's part of your job, as, job description as a hope dealer. You're always prepared. Mary and I heard from a friend in our church recently. He wrote about a friend at work that he started, uh, that he had been begun talking to about faith and his friend began to ask him questions. And, and here's what he wrote. He said, my colleague and I have developed a good friendship with some common interests in our career path. I've talked about my faith in the course of conversation. I've noticed that he hasn't shut me down when I mentioned Jesus. He listens. I knew he wasn't a Christian, but I never pushed anything. Last week we were at a conference together and he asked if we could get dinner and talk. We settled on barbecue ribs. That was a good choice there. But best of all, I was so encouraged when he told me he wanted to talk about Jesus. It was amazing. God did all the work. To look back on the last three years and in hindsight to see the seeds he planted in this friendship, wow, it has been so amazing. My friend asked a few questions at dinner, mostly personal things, some theological. He asked about the concept of overcoming fear plus lots more. We talked for quite a while and he didn't seem skeptical. Instead, it was just like he was truly seeking and God was calling him. God is always at work, isn't he? Drawing people to himself, our friend did that in the way Peter tells us. Look at this verse again, 1 Peter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and do this how? With gentleness and respect. People may belittle your faith. They may ridicule your savior. We send people out to parts of the world that face persecution. He says gentleness and respect. There may be personal hurts under the surface. We know there's an enemy seeking to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. We care about people nonetheless. Friends, here's what we can remind ourselves every day. We are hope dealers, hope dealers, locally and globally. First in our neighborhood, a restaurant that you go to, someone that you end up sitting on the shuttle with. You're on the elevator. Wherever you are, there's never a mistake. The people you're with, the delays that you encounter, the crises you face, that Jesus has you right where he wants you to be. Do you believe that? That we can say together, Lord, you've sent me to where I am today. You've sent me to where I am today. And when we believe that, when we say, Lord, there's, there's no mistakes in your plan for my my life and your sovereign goodness. Lord, to whom will you lead me today? Lord, please allow me to be on mission with you, not just here, but everywhere. You see, we have a global focus as well because that's the heart of the Father, right? Our triune God desires that all people everywhere have an opportunity to hear the good news of a living hope in Christ. And so together this week, we're saying, Lord, it's not just here. It's not just the people we interact with that we can see, but it's the people we can see, but that you care about in the nations of the world. And so our theme this week is be present among all peoples. It's local and it's global. 
As an Alliance family, we are dealing hope around the world. Can I, can I affirm you for just a few moments here as a church family, the village church here? Uh, so many of you are participating in this global mission. You're sending hope dealers to nations around the world and, and you're giving, you're praying so that the name of Jesus, the good news of his compassion and his forgiveness can be experienced by people who, who are desperate uh, for hope. I did a bit of research on the hope that's flowing from this church family. Maybe you're newer to the Village Church and maybe you're not, but uh, of 2,000 Alliance churches of which you are a part, the Christian Missionary Alliance, of 2,000 Alliance churches, you are number seven in the amount of missions giving of those 2,000 churches. That's something to celebrate today. That's wonderful. And of the top 20 churches, you are number one in the highest percentage of your, of your local giving to global missions, 37.5%. I th- saw that and I said, wow, I'm cheering you on for even greater investment to dealing hope around the world. It's not here or there. When Jesus gave his commission to his disciples, he said, it's here and there and everywhere, right? And if you find it intimidating, you think the world is so large, Lord, how, how, how do we, that Jesus wants to help us, right? I love how one person said, he said, Jesus doesn't direct us to go and do something for him. He invites us to come and do something, what? With him. In his, one, some of his very last words to his followers, he said, surely I will be with you for how long? Always, always, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. He invites us to, to come with him and to be hope dealers wherever we go. And so we can invite the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with joy-filled hope. You can do that today if you say, I, I, don't, feel like, I don't feel like I'm overflowing with hope. Before we can send hope around the world, Lord, would you fill my life to overflowing with your Holy Spirit that I will overflow with hope even in times of pain or loss, even in crisis, Lord, I want to trust you. I hold on to hope at all times. And God will keep his promise to you. It's gonna be our theme this evening. Love to have you here at 6 p.m. as we see an amazing promise that the Lord has for those who finish well for hope dealers who don't give up, uh, more on that uh, this evening, but here's what every Christian can say right now. I am on mission with Jesus as a hope dealer. Would you say that with me aloud? Let's say it together, ready? I am on mission with Jesus as a hope dealer. I hope you'll say that many times this week. I'm on mission with Jesus. You wake up tomorrow morning, I'm on mission today with Jesus as a hope dealer. When we live on mission like that, we get to be part of a story that the Father in heaven is writing that is a glorious story. And one day we'll get to celebrate with people from every tribe and tongue and nation as we sing worship to our great God with people who have a living hope. Let me close with this uh, true story. Friends of ours, Melissa and Frank, were based in Hawaii with the Navy. Um, it was there that they encountered some other believers. They had not been walking with Jesus and they encountered others 
who knew Jesus and introduced them, invited them to a Bible study and, uh, and Frank and Melissa put their trust in Christ and just began to grow like crazy in their walk with, with Christ. One of Melissa's concerns, she told us, was the spiritual condition for her mom. She said, my mom I knew was, was in, in poor health. She wasn't ready to, to meet the Lord. And she said, I longed for my mother to experience the hope that I had in Christ. And so she said, I prayed for my mom. I planned to visit back to Oklahoma to see her. But she said, before I could make that visit, my mom, I got the news that uh, she had passed suddenly during the night. Melissa said I was devastated. I, I cried so much on the trip back to Tulsa. I, pr- I prayed for my mom. I, I never had the opportunity to have a face-to-face discussion with my mother about Jesus. And she said, back in Oklahoma, I was making preparations for the service with my siblings and we received folks at the time of visitation, went to the funeral. She said, at the funeral, a lady came up to me and she said, are, are, you, are you Melissa, are you the daughter? Melissa said, I, I, I am. And she said, I, I wanted to tell you this other lady, she said, she said, I thought you might want to know, not sure if your mother told you, but she said, two months ago, she said, your mother had been coming to a Bible study in the senior residence center where, uh, where she was, and she said, I was leading this Bible study. Your mother was coming, and she said, two months ago, your mother told me she was ready to invite Christ into her life, and we prayed together, and your mom trusted in Christ. Melissa was floored. She said, I, I wept tears of joy. She said, God had heard my prayers. He saw my mom's condition. And in God's great heart, he he sent somebody. He sent someone to come to my mother. And she said, to know that I'll see my mother again. She said, my heart was, was about to burst with joy. How did it happen? A hope dealer thousands of miles away on mission with Jesus took the good news and made an impact through the prayers of a daughter thousands of miles away. I think that brings such joy to the heart of God, don't you? He wants to spread hope through you here. You might be the prayer, the answer to someone's prayer thousands of miles away, amen? There's someone praying for someone who's in a, in a unit right nearby you or they're, they're gonna be interacting. They're gonna be somewhere sitting in a doctor's office, wherever it might be, and someone's praying for that person. And when you wake up and say, Jesus, today I'm in mission with you as a hope dealer, you could be the answer to someone's prayers. And friends, as we partner together as the alliance and we say, God, we get to send hope dealers around the world through my prayers, my giving, as I participate with this church family and that, that dealing of hope to people thousands of miles away elsewhere and nations around the world, Lord, I get to be a part of what you're doing and someday I'm going to stand before your throne and I'm going to be able to celebrate together with other hope dealers what you have done in bringing living hope to people who desperately needed it. What a day that will be when people from Mali and Myanmar and from Indonesia and Spain and from Germany and Brazil and every language standing before the throne 
worshiping the one who came and gave his life for you and me so that we could overflow with hope. Can we say it one more time, that phrase that you had up? Can you put it on the screen one more time? I'm on mission with Jesus. Let's say it together, ready? I am on mission with Jesus as a hope dealer. Father, would you make it so we pray. We thank you that in your great love and mercy, that you sent your only son, Jesus, into our broken world. Jesus, thank you that you came and you willingly, obediently, became obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that we could experience hope for this life and the life to come. And Holy Spirit, Thank you that you come even today and we pray, Lord, some of us, we don't feel like we're overflowing. Spirit of Jesus, come, fill our hearts today that we'll have a spillover effect with the people around us, overflowing with hope here in our own neighborhoods and Lord, to the nations of the world our great Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you use us to be on mission with you. Thank you that you take broken and frail people like me, like all of us, to participate in the greatest story being written today. We're available for however you want to use us. Use us, we pray, in your name. And everyone said, amen.